last week, Easter Sunday, what an amazing morning it was. Thank you so much for uh, being here, part of that, celebrating incredible stories, testimonies of uh, life transformation, the diversity that was being expressed in those stories was quite remarkable. Uh, prior to Easter, we finished off on a teaching series called uh, uh, Essence, Who We Are, Essential, Our Essential Inherent Nature. If you are in Christ, if you are a Christian here this morning, it's just who we are. We're also aware that there'll be people here who are exploring spirituality, who will be exploring Christianity. Uh, we've just done a couple of teaching series recently that is, is there to try and help and encourage and to build up the Christian in an understanding of who we are. The Essence teaching series was all about that. We're now heading into a new teaching uh, for the next uh, number of weeks called The Heart of Celebration. Not the art of celebration, but the heart of celebration, where in these next few weeks we're going to be looking at a childlike heart, where we're pursuing faith-based optimism, a resilient heart, an active resistance and determination to keep on going, uh, a prepared heart, sometimes challenging, a non-responsive and possibly lethargic approach sometimes to worship and participation. This week I want to be looking at an expectant heart, living with a belief that God might do something. That's it, living with a belief that God might do something. Some of you might go, anything, please, just do something. Some of you may have been caught out a little bit by a video that appeared on Facebook on Friday. Following by the comments that were made and the assumptions is that it was either Nicky Gumbel or Bill Hybels or the Pope who was coming. My mum was convinced it was the Queen. She was getting very excited that the Queen was coming. And uh, I just had to say to her, Mum, you've got to think higher. And I think she actually eventually got there. The part of that is not just to just have a little bit of fun. Okay? I, I want us to not always take ourselves so seriously, just to have a little bit of fun. It's okay. Yeah, that's, that's not new to us. Uh, in the past, we've done, what was it? The, the Facebook pastor was a job we advertised on April the 1st a few years ago. Uh, £28,000 a year just to do Facebook on behalf of the church. We had four people who applied for that position. <laughs> I think there was, uh, the color of the building was being selected and painted, and so we put out four options. One was a bright easy jet orange, and one was a polka dot pattern, and people had to uh, choose which color of the building we were going to be having. I think we've had an Inspire sweep the roof of, of Seagull Mess. Uh, can we have Inspire come and volunteer to come and sweep the roof on top of the building? Again, we had a number of people who volunteered for that. So there is a kind of like a history of this, and, uh, you know, so on Friday, but it wasn't just fun, it wasn't just a joke, there was a serious point behind this as well, is that the expectation that we approach and as we come here on a Sunday, because my thinking is, if you're anything like me, I'm not always totally fully expectant of actually meeting with Jesus. Now I'm saying that as a church pastor, you've got, can you really say that? Honestly, okay, we come in, um, have I got a huge expectation for us this morning to be meeting with Jesus. And I want to move from that position where I'm going, well, I kind of hope, I, I sort of do, to the point where, God, what are you going to do? What is it that you're going to do today? What, what, what do you want to do? What do you want to do with me? How can we join in the adventure? And then it's not just here, because this is just one context that the church community gets together in. It's this sense of actually, where do we go from here? So I've just walked out of Central. I was walking out, there was this elderly lady trying to cross the seat. It wasn't easy to get across the street. I just walked past her and God said, are you ready to go and talk to her? I said, I've got to go and preach another message. Are you going to talk to her? So I left her and came to preach another message. 
I didn't. I stopped. I went back. I, said, I helped her across the road. I got her to the other side and ended up the conversation because are we open? Are we willing to be inconvenienced? But it's not so much an inconvenience because actually what it is, it's getting caught up in what our Father is doing. What's the expectation for us? I went to have my haircut yesterday with Aggie, our friendly uh, Greek Cypriot barber down in the Arndale shopping center. Spending some time, he was going, oh, who is it? Who is it? Who's coming? Who's coming? Can you come in? You can tell me. Come in. He's sniffing away. Come on. Okay. I'm, I'm a haircut for our special guest. Okay? I'm now going to go home and paint our house for our special guest. And, and you know, that ex- he's going, oh, it's the expectation here. I had my haircut. And he reminded me of something that I, I preached about a few years ago, which was my, my bucket list. Have you ever heard of bucket list? People, what you want to do before you kick the bucket. And on this list, one of the things I want to do before that happens is I want to go whitewater rafting. Okay, that's what I love to do. We've tried. On a number of occasions, we have definitely tried. Okay, one of the places we went to, Italy, there was not enough water in the river. There was six inches of water. It's not enough for whitewater rafting. Okay? It's possibly enough for paddling, but not whitewater rafting. We had the suits on, the wetsuits, we had the boat, we were in the water, and we could not go anywhere because there was no water. We went to Zimbabwe. If you look up whitewater rafting, Zimbabwe by the Vic Falls is classed as one of the top 10 places in the world to go whitewater rafting. Let's aim high. We get to Vic Falls, there's way too much water. You can't go whitewater rafting. So then we're on a trip, uh, part of a trip that we went into South Africa, and we went to a place just outside of uh, Lesotho. And again, if you go online, great place, whitewater rafting. You must come along here. This is great. We turned up only to find out that there's no water in the river at all. Not even a low level, just no water whatsoever. Because the dam in Lesotho had broken, so they were diverting the river somewhere else. Three occasions I tried it. One day, I would get to go whitewater rafting, which then prompted me to think, what is my gospel bucket list? What is it? What, what is it that I want to do? What is it that I signed up to do? To say, before I kick the bucket in this life, on this earth, God, we're in this together. Do you know, as I get older, more mature, and well beyond middle age now, as I get well beyond middle age now, no, go on, I am. What is it that I want to go into the second half of my life? I'm finding that there's many people, you know, I'm in uh, mid to back end of my 40s, 47. I want the second half of my life to count more, actually, than my first. And I meet too many people in my sort of age bracket who are saying, look, you know, it's a mid, mid, midlife crisis where I'm saying, look, there's a midlife opportunity here. Let's learn from a lot in the first half of life and now implement and put that into action in the second half of life. There was things, sadly, that there's people who I've known and loved who years ago said, well, I will never do that. And they've ended up doing that thing that they've always said they would never do. But I want to live out my life and run my life and actually the second half of my life to make it count more than my first half of my life. Some of you are a little bit further on in that, a little bit nearer to the bucket, but you're still running. You're you're still going. You're still determined. You're still wanting to live. You're still wanting to achieve. You still want to accomplish the thing. And that is a brilliant example. Keep modeling it. Keep inspiring me in that. Why? Because I need people who are ahead of me to say, come on, keep running, keep going with this. But I want us to live as a community in an expectation that God is going to do something. I I love kind of the culture in which we're trying to grow here. 
I love the welcoming community. Last week in the baptism, a lady stood in the pool, single mum, said, I've been in churches before, not welcome, big come here. I've been so welcomed. I hear that story over and over again. I want this place to be the most welcoming community in the whole of Eastbourne, full stop, okay? That, that is just an ambition which I'm passionate about because I believe in a God who has welcomed me home. I was in this strange refugee and the borders came down and Jesus said, come home, and I came home. He's given me every advantage in life that was not, I was not deserving. And he's brought me in and he said, you are now home and people have welcomed me home and now I have the joy and the responsibility of welcoming other people home to help them to find every opportunity that is available in the gospel of Jesus. That's why I believe in being a welcoming community. I also believe in wanting us to be the most generous community. I'm loving the stories. Yeah, we're currently running a course called Rooted. You can sign up for it. If you're looking in at the life of the church, want to come and find your place, want to come and join, it's going to be alternate Sunday at lunchtime. Sunday lunch will be included. It might not be a roast. It might be a little bit manage your expectations, but it might be a roast chicken sandwich. But we want you to come and be part of the community to find out about us. Recently ran a course called on Rooted, and we're talking about generosity. And I, I sometimes tell this story about a number of years ago, Blinda and myself were in, we were really financially strapped, okay? It was really tight. We had young family, uh, you know, it was very expensive and little surplus. And at one point, I just cried out to God in desperation, I don't even have five pounds to take Blinda out for a drink. I then went downstairs, walked out of the house seconds later, and there on the floor, right in front of the house, right in front of our door, was a five, brand new five-pound crisp note, just, just there on the floor. And God said, you can trust me. It had a profound moment, profound influence in our life. So I was sharing this story in the route, and, and somebody said, I don't have a story, I don't have a five-pound story. A few days later, he went into town, and we just did the appeal for the football boots for Zimbabwe. And he went into a sports shop and he said, I just want to go and bless a person in Zimbabwe. And went into a shop and spent £45 on a football, brand new pair of football boots. Because he said, I just didn't want to give a second. I wanted to bless. That was his heart to bless. So he bought a football pair of football boots. And at the same time, he was then also looking for a pair of shoes himself. So he went in, found a pair of shoes himself, went to the checkout, went to the cash desk, and the person rang up, beep, and it came up and said, oh, they've been reduced. I don't know why they've been reduced. Oh, how much have they been reduced by? 45 pound and he's like I've got my five pound story but it's a 45 pound story because suddenly there's that adventure and stepping into it's like we got hold of this and suddenly like go on go on we trust you we trust you we're going to let go of this as we let go of that and it goes God comes in and refills our hand and now there's people here who have experienced what it is to to know the generosity of people within this community but that has triggered you now to go do you know what I want to uh, that's been modeled to me now. I want to go and do that myself. <laughs> so there's some people here for the first time a little while ago, and somebody went up to them and said, uh, the Lord told us to come, and we'll find a visitor here today, and we're going to give you an envelope, and in the envelope was £500. Let me just manage your expectations if you are a visitor here this morning. <laughs> that doesn't often happen, but I know it had a profound impact upon this couple who are now starting their own journey in generosity. I love that culture. Another culture is being adventurous mission. So I got inspired last year when the uh, inspired group went off to Albania. 16, 17 people went off to Albania showing us the way. This is how we do it. Come on, let's get on with mission. Michael and Anna heading back off to Valencia. Tico and Blurta. Tico's back with us for a month or so at the moment, going off to Albania. 
a young guy called Luke who just a year ago actually wasn't a Christian. God powerfully met with this young guy. Incredibly, that, that almost like an audible voice. God, he was an atheist, an audible voice said, go home, go to sleep, I'm gonna to speak to you in the dream. He went home, went to sleep, God spoke to him in a dream, he woke up a changed person. He's now serving the purpose of God in Liverpool. In a, in a tough old housing estate in the centre of Liverpool. We sent up our film crew, okay, to go and film him, okay. Our film crew was Sam. Sam got in the car, he drove up there, filmed him. Sam came back, I watched the video the other day, which is gonna be shown at the United at the Congress, our event on the 1st of May. It is remarkable to see the transformation in a 22-year-old guy when the purposes of God gets hold of him. And that's what I want is to step in, and that's what I want to step into. And that's the journey I want to be a part of in adventurous mission, because God can speak through dreams and visions and pictures and appearances. And, you know, if angels came right now, I would be the one in the toilets. I would miss it, but, but you know, you lot would see it. But God can come and, and you know, make himself known to us. But often it's about, what is my father doing? Asking the question, Father, what are you doing? Actually, Jesus went around with kind of that as his principle. I can only do what I see my father doing. So what is, what, what is God doing? Yeah, I, <laughs> do, you, do you ever want opportunities? I, I, I ask God, give me opportunities, give me opportunities. Belinda goes to Tesco's and she doesn't come back for three hours. I go to Tesco's to buy the yellow sticker items. Belinda goes to Tesco's to minister the presence and the power of God. Is great. Because the opportunities are there all around us. We just don't always see them. Friends of ours, Simon and Caroline Holly. Simon's been here, spoken on a couple of occasions, I think. And, and Simon just shares his story in his book that he had a day trip out to, to London with his wife. And uh, on the way back, his wife said, hey, Simon, did you have a good day? He said, yeah, I had a really nice day, just one disappointment. Oh, what was that? It's just, we didn't get the opportunity to minister together. I was waiting for the opportunity. And she just looked at him incredulous, like, what? What do you mean, didn't get the opportunity? Yeah, they just didn't happen. What do you mean? We sat on the train this morning, and on the way down, there was that couple who started the conversation with them. We even spoke with them, and then we just closed down the conversation. We got into London. We went out for lunch. We sat in the park. That other young couple, they started to talk to us. They told us where they came from. They were foreigners. They weren't this. There was an open conversation. That man, he engaged with us in the park as well. Then we went into the market. Thousands of people in the market, and that person you kept bumping into, you even said to him, oh, this is a weird coincidence. We keep bumping into him. This was God at work. I just chose not to take those opportunities today because I wanted to spend my day with you. Oh, he'd missed them. Someone wanting the opportunities just didn't see them all the time. So when you're walking out of a building after preaching this message and there's a lady wanting to try and cross the road and you walk past her and God says, go and help her. Father, what are you doing? What are you doing? See, we, I want to journey a little bit with Jesus. If he can only do what his father's doing, let's look at the example of Jesus. So, if you've got your Bible, looking at Matthew chapter 5, we aren't going to come up onto the projectors today because I'm going to cover five chapters of the Bible in the next five hours. So actually, we're going to cover the first few chapters very quickly. So Matthew chapter 5, right at the beginning, seeing the crowds... 
Jesus went up on the mountain and he sat down and the disciples came to him and he opened his mouth and he taught them. And then the next following chapters are all about what Christians know, known as the Sermon on the Mount. Kingdom life. This is what kingdom culture looks like. Why is culture so important? Because it is so attractive and appealing. If we can get people to understand that the kingdom of God is generous and encouraging and real and adventurous and all of these things, then people will look in. Rather than think as Christians, it's just like, oh, all you do is say no and want to stop all the fun. If they can look in and go, whoa, if that is what life is like, then actually I want to be a part of what that is. Jesus sat down with a crowd and went through kingdom culture. This is what the kingdom of God looks like. This is kind of the whole new promise, the whole new regime that is coming in. Look, this is the manifesto that is coming out. This is what you can expect in kingdom life. And he then talks to the next, uh, you know, well, certainly a few chapters in the Bible. And then we pick it up in chapter 8. I will guarantee I'll probably get lost in the chapters in the next few. So if you can stick with me, that would be really helpful. So chapter 8, verse 1 when Jesus came down from the mountain, okay, so he went up and now he comes down the mountain, uh, great crowds followed him and a man with leprosy came to him, knelt before him and said, Lord, if you can, you can make me clean, if you will. Jesus was willing. He stretched out his hand, touched the man with leprosy and immediately the leprosy went. Now, if you've had a hard day in the office or hard day on the mountain teaching kingdom values all the day or living life, the last thing you want is people crowding in on you. Well, this man with leprosy said, Jesus, if you, if you are willing, you, and Jesus is still willing, is willing, reaches out, touches him, the leprosy goes. And then when he entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, appealing to him, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home and is, is suffering terribly. Just say the word. Again, some of you are familiar, but all the centurions said, well, say the word. Say the word because you have the authority. Jesus said, okay, be healed. And at that precise moment, it says in verse 13, the servant was healed at that very moment. And when Jesus entered Peter's house, now get the timeline. This is still the same day. Still this is journey, this is a road trip with Jesus, still the same day. And when Jesus entered Peter's house, he saw his mother-in-law lying sick with a fever. He's not going in there just to put his feet to him and go, oh, let's just have a breather. He's looking to see. Mother-in-law not well, prays for her, she gets well. And then for the rest of the evening, there's knocks on the door, to all the sick and the ill are coming along, those who have got evil spirits. Jesus is dealing with them, sorting them out, healing people, setting people free. It's a day in the life of Jesus. Just doing what the Father's telling him to do. Then the following day. Now when Jesus saw a great crowd around him, he gave orders to go over to the other side and the scribe came up to say, I want to follow you, I want to go and bury my father first. And Jesus said to him quite challengingly, he said, let the dead bury their own dead, come and follow me. But then he got into the boat and uh, disciples followed him and it says that Jesus fell asleep. He kind of understand on the previous day. It just says Jesus fell asleep. And the disciples were so worried that they were going to drown, they go and wake, aren't you afraid? Oh, don't, don't you care? Don't, don't, you, don't you understand? We're about to go under, and all you're doing is sleeping. Do something, Jesus. And Jesus, okay, stands up, rebukes the wind, rebukes uh, you know, the, the, the great storm and the waves, 
and suddenly there is stillness on the lake. They get to the other side, the land, they step off the boat, and as they step off the boat, there are these two people who got, it says that they've got demon spirits upon them who charge at Jesus. Jesus cast out the spirit, the spirits go into the pigs, the pigs jump into the lake, and the town come out to say, whoa, this is scaring us a little bit, Jesus, we don't want you anywhere near us, go away from us. Jesus gets back in his boat and travels across the lake again. He gets back to where he came from, lands on the other side. Any idea where we are now? Chapter 9, verse 1. And getting into a boat, he crossed over, and he came to his own city. And behold, some people brought to him a paralytic, a man lying on a bed. And when Jesus saw the faith, he said to him, Take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. What is easy for me to say, your sins are forgiven, to get up and walk. The man gets up and walks. He's healed. Look at verse uh, 9. As Jesus passed on from there... He saw a man called Matthew sitting in the tax booth. He was this disliked, intensely disliked collaborator with the Roman army. And Jesus is now reclining. Take a little bit of time out because he says, look, we're a welcoming community. It's a community that we want you to come and be a part of. He gets heavily criticized about that. He then does a little bit of in-house training with the disciples about fasting. And then verse 18, while he was saying these things to his disciples, behold, a ruler came in and knelt before him saying, my daughter has just died Please come and lay your hand on her and she will live. It says at the back end of this chapter that Jesus has just moved by compassion. Imagine that scenario that my daughter has just died. Jesus, you, you, you can do something about this. So he gets up and follows the dad. Dad's walking along. It's okay, I'm with you, I'm with you, walking along. When suddenly, in this great crowd, a woman is kind of like pushing her way through, trying to push people out of the way. Who's this lady? This lady has been suffering for years with this blood discharge that she can just not get sorted out. And she's saying in her head, if only I can get to Jesus and just simply touch the kind of like the hem of his clothing, if I can just get that close enough, I'm going to be healed. She manages to get that close to Jesus, reaches out, touches the hem, and she's healed. And Jesus stops, looks up and says, who's touched me? And people around are going, there's a great crowd. No, 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 no. Someone touched me. And it's very different. She was immediately healed. And then it says, so Jesus then carried on his journey, reaches the house where the little girl had died, sends the mourners away, goes into the room and says, little girl, wake up, come back to life. The little girl gets up. What did Jesus do? As Jesus passed on from there, two blind men followed him, saying, son of David, have mercy on us. Do you believe that I'm able to do this? They said to him, Yes, they said. Then he touched their eyes, healed them. And as they were going away, (laughs) so exit stage left to blind seeing people, enter stage right, mute man unable to speak. As they're leaving, the mute man enters and Jesus sets him free. Jesus then says, in verse 26, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them. They were helpless, like a sheep without a shepherd. The harvest is plentiful. Labor is a few. 
Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. And he called his disciples together and gave them authority to over unclean spirits, to cast them out, to heal diseases and every affliction. The power, the presence, the purpose of God isn't just for us to come and meet him ourselves, but it's to go from here. Because the fields are white. It's ready. Today in the life of Jesus. Imagine the, the expectation, the anticipation, the disciples leave from there. And it wasn't just a flash in the pan. If you pick up the story in the book of Acts where, where Peter went and his shadow fell onto people that they got healed. And he had kind of like a little sideline with hankies and aprons going on. That people, if they just touched the hanky that Peter had touched, then they got healed. And... So there's a continuum here that was taking place of expectation that God was going to do something. I remember a chap called John Wimber. It was my first introduction to, to kind of in the sense to what's called a charismatic church, a church which is going with ways of the spirit, things of the spirit. And at the end of the time he would preach, he said, come on, let's just, let's just stand together. Let's just have time of ministry. Let's just come and wait on the presence of God. Come Holy Spirit. Oh, I love that. Oh, that's good. It's great. I used to go along to conferences just for that bit. Finish speaking, just that bit. And, and then there were some like cool things that happened in the 90s that some of you will remember. They all had cool names like the Toronto Blessing and the Pensacola Outpouring and the Lakeland Revival. And people were jumping on airplanes and going off to Florida and you know, and encountering and experiencing. And, and then more recently in places like Cumran in Wales and the place in Northern Ireland, people are getting on ferries and on trains to go and visit. Because do you know what? Honestly, I, I don't want to travel. I want to stay here and see the presence of God here. I, 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 oh. <laughs> this series is called The Heart of Expectation or Celebration. It's a heart issue. You, you're not getting a great theological discourse at the moment. What you're getting is a heart thing. I want to be in a place, God, I don't want to stay where I am right now. I want to move to a new postcode. A couple of things I've learned about that, if that is the thing, then firstly, you've got to have a really cool name, like the Toronto Blessing, Pensacola Outpouring, Lakeland Revival, maybe the Eastbourne Encounter. I don't know. Actually, what it is, is it's about increasing our expectation. Must be key. What about now? Do I have the, the same levels of anticipation? Am I cultivating anticipation in my life? When I turn up here on a Sunday, am I expecting to be meeting with God in order that I'm released and sent from here to go and do what the Father wants to do out and about in this world? Sometimes things get in the way. What are the blockages to that? Well, I understand in the life of this church that I could actually be one of those biggest blockages, but, but there's other blockages in the life of the church, and some of those things are unbelief. Does God really heal? And actually, unbelief can then splinter off into a couple of ways. Unbelief can then splinter off into disappointment. I prayed for someone in faith that they were going to get healed, and they weren't. So what happens is that moment of faith that you had just gets dulled, get disappointed. And there will be people here who we just need to deal with disappointment. Because it's stopping you stepping into God's plans.
Why didn't God do that when I asked him? God, somehow, you're God. Disappointment can be one way in which it lands. It can also land in cynicism. Cynicism just drains the life out of faith. If you're around a cynical person, you don't have faith for anything. And so you just need to deal with cynicism. Say, God, I I don't want to stay where I am right now. I I don't want to remain in a place of unbelief. God, please deal with disappointment. God, please deal with this cynicism. I, I repent. I'm sorry for a cynical heart. So it could be unbelief. It could also be fear. The fear of the unknown, the fear of not knowing what will happen, or the fear of thinking that nothing will happen, or or actually the fear of being out of control. As a leader, I, I, I worry about being out of control because of I don't want things to be chaotic and weird. I don't want to abandon accountability. But at the same time, in, in trying to lock it in, we could actually be missing out on a huge amount of what God wants to do. And there's a clash. Partly it's a culture clash. It's a personality clash. It's how I'm wired. It's how we're wired. And sometimes we have to hold that tension between understanding the gospel and the impact of the gospel and how we can explain the gospel and to explain it in such a way that it absolutely makes sense in a very cerebral kind of way. But then there is also the experiential side that we shouldn't abandon. So when Paul, the apostle Paul, one of the early church leaders... He went into the city of Ephesus and it says that he spent three months in the synagogue and two years in the whole of Tyrannus so that all the people of the culture and the community heard the message. And it says this, verse 11, and God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hand of Paul. Extraordinary miracles. Two and a bit years he spent there reasoning and arguing and debating the logic of the gospel, the reasonableness of the gospel, the apologetics of the gospel. And at the same time, he's saying extraordinary miracles were taking place. And verse 20 says, so the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. We don't often use the word prevail. When was the last time you used the word prevail? I don't know, maybe. Maybe you did over breakfast. I'm going to prevail through this bowl of muesli. To prevail is to win through, to triumph, to succeed. I want to be in a place where where we are seeing some wins. To be honest, I've got too many losses on my side. I want to be in a place, God, let's see some wins. Let's see some victories. Let's triumph in some of this stuff. It seems to be that the enemy is winning all the time. I just want to see some breakthrough and some victory. I want to see that. I want to see when we pray for people who are sick to get healed verifiably, undeniably, without any confusion. I want miracles to take place that can't be explained by a passage or a period of time or the intervention of medical help. I just want to see miracles take place. We go, well, okay, there you go. I can't explain that one. To see some wins, I can't explain it without the power of presence of God coming. You see, I... So I was having a conversation a couple of weeks ago and somebody was asking me, where do I stand in this whole sense of healing and things? And going, look, the, the problem is that I'm on a journey. I wanted to move. I wanted to move postcode. I wanted to move from where I am to where I believe that God actually wants us to believe and be, and that is living in a place of expectancy. And I know I will have to challenge my attitude. 
And I know I'll have to be more adventurous and overcome the fears and, and have stops of my journey and get inconvenienced because the Father's at work. I understand that I'll need to be more aware and sensitive to the audience that I'm around and how I use language and not to be weird and not to cause unnecessary offense. I know that I actually will have to increase my levels of accountability uh, towards others and towards leadership, not, de- not actually go down in those levels, but it's about a heart issue to say, God, I want you to move from here and I want to move you into a place where I honestly believe you want us to live. This is where you want us to live. So how about you? This half of the room here, you are living in Boringville. Where nothing happens You see no breakthrough, you see no healing, you see no expectation, you see no disappointment because you're not expecting anything. That is the world in which you live in and many of you are very comfortable in that world. You, you live in Kingdomville. Okay, a little bit more enthusiasm for Kingdomville than there was for Boringville. You lot, Boringville, Kingdomville, and Kingdomville is where you are seeing people healed, where you're seeing people set free, where you're seeing justice reign, where you're seeing people liberated from the grip of the enemy, where you're seeing joy come upon people, where you're seeing salvation. Why? Because they're all signs of the kingdom of God, and that is Kingdomville. And that is the life in which you're enjoying. And you're here saying, come over here. This is so much fun, aren't you? You're saying, come. Actually, some of you aren't. So we got you lot. I've no. Well done, Andy. He <laughs> got oh, you silly people. Okay, I don't believe it. You're so silly. Why do you see this life is so much better over here? Come over here and you get cross, and you end up getting cross with people over there. Oh, it's a stupid thing. Oh, you just come over here. It's much better over here. No, this is life over here, and this is the life that God is wanting us to live. And you're living in the wrong place. Do it. Come on. So, so there's a movement. Now, some of you are going, do you know what? I wish I had the courage to stand up and go over there. Some of you are going, I don't want to look stupid in front of all these people. And of course, Graham, you're just talking metaphorically here, and it's a heart issue. Yes, of course I am. And it's about an inner movement. Sometimes we need to physically move in order to, 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 to confirm something that is going on in the heart. Because I don't want to live in Boringville. I don't want to just turn up at a meeting two minutes before a meeting and wander in, have a cup of coffee and, and look sloppy and go, what's going to happen today? Well, the preacher was all right, wasn't he? Well, he was a bit off, actually. And the worship band, I didn't like those songs. Where, where that is the amount of my expectation where actually I wanted to come into a place, what is the Father going to do today? And then we leave from here and say, what is the Father going to continue doing today? What are these conversations when I go into Tesco? Oh, that's a bargain bit of chicken, isn't it? Yes, and Jesus is here as well. Because it's kingdom living. This is kingdom filling. Do you know what? I live kind of over here far too much, but I need to have a residence over here. But it's not just a summer home. I need to move. This is what God is calling us to. Are we comfortable? Maybe. 
always skeptical. Maybe now some of you over here just ended up by default. Okay. <laughs> So well done for being over here by default. But some of your heart and your attitude, living in this, am I here? God, what is it you want to do? I don't want to be comfortable. I don't want my life just to slide downwards. I want it to keep on rising and keep on going to fulfill everything that God is calling us to do and to achieve. Am I being skeptical? God, Please, I'm so sorry for skepticism in my life which is causing me to lose faith and it's causing that damage upon other people as well. Am I being afraid? God, I've got to learn and I want to be in a place where I'm trusting that you know what you're doing even when I don't always understand. See, I don't want to live in boring, mundane, non-adventurous, boringville, waiting to die. I want to live on the edge. I want to take the risks. I want to see some wins. I want to finish my bucket list. I want to encounter more of God in ways that I have never known before. I want to see more healings, verified, bona fide, genuine, concrete healings and miracles. I want to lead people to Jesus. I want to see people liberated from the grip of the enemy. I want to give everyone every opportunity and the opportunity to meet with Jesus. God is not calling us to be boring. I want to leave a legacy on this earth that will reverberate into eternity. And that is the life that he is calling us to. Turn up next week, sing the same songs, same message, same old way. I want to live in Kingdomville. God, please help me. So who's joining me? It needs some of you to move. Some of you in Kingdomville will need to be more welcoming and not hostile and say, life's good over here. Come, let me show you around. Let me show you what this looks like. And some people in Boringville, in their heart, will have to move in the heart because it's what God is calling us let's stand together so so the question Is, is where are you going to live? Where are we going to live? Is comfort getting in the way? Disappointment getting in the way? Cynicism getting in the way? Lack of belief? Frustration? Seen it all before? God, I pray for any of us are in that place that you would come by your spirit now. The, actually, the antidote is more faith. I felt that word last night just as I was starting to think through the application. The antidote to cynicism is faith. And so, Father, by your Holy Spirit now, I pray that you'll come and start to break off and chip away at some of that hard-heartedness, soften us, fill us with faith, 
is where you want us to live. And for some, it's a heck of a journey. For others, it's much closer. But it's a journey all the same. And we want to be people who journey like Jesus, who are listening to what the Father's saying, and then taking steps of faith. So it was a profound thing that happened in the nine o'clock meeting this morning when people physically moved, not just metaphorically. Where people said, I'm, what I'm going to do now in this, as a response, I'm going to actually physically move. Just like we've already seen some early adopters. Is actually to move from not just those who take the initiative, but the early adopters, but it's for people who are the, you know, the, 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 the majority, the, the, the early majority. There'll always be some laggers, there'll always be some people who, there'll always be some people going, I, I, you know, I don't know, and you, I, I'll get, end up there kicking and screaming one day. Where's the early majority? And where are we going to live? Because this is going to be a change which is uncomfortable. And it's going to be inconvenient. And it's going to be a change. <laughs> I don't know quite know why I keep looking at you lot as if you are in this category. I'm, I apologise. Because you lot might be in that category. Okay? You lot. is actually, you know in your heart, you need to make a, a journey. And some of you might physically want to make that journey today. Some of you might go, I'm in the wrong category, but I'm staying here. I'm not moving anywhere. And some of you might need to walk to that category. So it would be a bizarre feeling of a weight of a meeting that could happen right now. But while we worship, why don't you move to say, God, I'm moving postcode. I want to press him. The woman with the issue of blood did everything she could to reach Jesus. The man with leprosy did all he could to get to Jesus. The two blind men did all they could to get to Jesus. The centurion did all he could to get to Jesus. The father who lost his daughter did all he could to get to Jesus. So, that's the opportunity to get to Jesus. So if you want to physically walk over there as a sign, the people here, walk that way, do it, do it. And let's worship God. And as people move and as people walk, please, I know some of you are unable to, and physically it's not possible for you to do that. Yeah, welcome them in, okay? Welcome them in. Okay, Pete.